Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 14, Whispers, teleplay by Paul Coyle and Michael Piller and directed by Les Lando. This episode aired on February 6, 1994. This week on Deep Space Nine, upon returning from a mission to the Parada system, O'Brien begins to notice the crew acting strange around him and suspects there may be some unknown influence at work. Ooh. I think we're we're eating good in season two of Deep Space Nine, because this is our second noir-esque inspired episode of the season. And it's a suspense thriller to boot. Yes. I really loved the voiceover aspect of this episode. It felt very noir to me as well, which people may remember we discussed in relation to the episode Necessary Evil. Uh, I just really, I also really liked the twist at the end. I did not remember it. So when I was rewatching it on Friday, I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) When the final reveal like came out. Yeah. So you didn't remember this episode at all, or you didn't remember the twist, or um, kind of a mix of both. Like there are scenes okay. in it I probably remembered, but not like right. overall. Um, it didn't feel like completely unfamiliar to me, but I didn't re- remember what was actually happening, like what the mystery was. Um, yeah, because I mean we've talked about this before. This was probably. The first official O'Brien gets tortured episode of Deep Space Nine. Although he technically was tortured off. Well, he was tortured off screen, I guess. Uh, Didn't he say at the end that they had a bunch of tubes hooked up to him or something like that? Yeah, probably like transferring like (laughs) memory. His 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 memory database. His uh, yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't really remember it, which was really fun. I mean, like, I don't think it's ruined. Like, the second time I watched it, I still was enjoying it. Um, it wasn't ruined by knowing the, the twist. Um, my friend I was watching it with the first time was like, are you glad I didn't spoil that for you? And I was like, yes, I am very thankful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, like, I think this is overall a really solid episode i think there are some really strong moments and like i couldn't remember i remembered the twist but i couldn't remember who exactly um starfleet was was working with to like save o'brien whether it was the government or the rebels so that that i didn't remember um and like i said i do think there are some strong scenes i think like for me knowing the twist it kind of I think it's a little bit of diminishing returns with this episode because I don't think it's something like, say, oh, what's a recent movie that kind of is mysterious? So, like, something like Knives Out, right? That's exactly what like I was a, thinking, too. <laughs> like, I think, like, Knives Out rewards kind of, like, you know, rewatches and it's still yeah. fun no, having, having seen it for the first time. Because you pick time. up on a few more things every time you watch it. Yeah, whereas I don't... I don't think this episode, and I mean, I'm comparing an episode of Star Trek television to a movie, which isn't necessarily, (laughs) like, you know, the best in terms of time for production and things like that. Right. But, like, 
this isn't one that I necessarily like go back to. Whereas other episodes that have twists, like I'm thinking of um, the a future Deep Space Nine episode in the Pale Moon Light, which has a twist, mm-hmm. but like you'll you'll go back to. But I do think there are some really strong strong scenes and tension that work despite kind of knowing the shape of it. Yeah, that makes sense. So I kind of, on a different note, realize why I love O'Brien so much. And this also is why I love the character Jack Reacher so much. Like, Jack Reacher is constantly talking about his coffee that he's drinking. (laughs) And, like... Jack Reacher is more like me in that he does not put his uh, sugar in his coffee, unlike Miles, who's like Jamaican blend, double strong, double sweet. How much coffee is Replicant O'Brien drinking throughout this episode? Like, I'm surprised that the amount of caffeine he has didn't short out the Replicant, like, without having, like, the plot handle that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it just is all the coffee in this episode... It's just funny coming after Armageddon game where like <laughs> yeah. the whole investigation hinges on the fact that Keiko was like, oh, Miles doesn't drink coffee in the afternoons. Right. And then like there's that joke we <laughs> talked about at the end. And then this one, the replicant who for all intents and purposes thinks he's O'Brien and has yeah. all of his memories and everything else is just drinking jamaican blend like it's going out of style i mean it's, it did sound really good and after he ordered it every time i was like i kind of want one um <laughs> but like this this would have hit so differently if it was aired before the other episode like neither episode would have worked i think if well at no. least the other one wouldn't have worked i love that it was in this order and it's just <laughs> <laughs> so much coffee so <laughs> um, I was kind of looking up some information about this episode because I was a little curious on if there were influences, um, specifically because it was film noir-ish. Um, yeah. And as we know, um, it, well, they use the word replicant, which is from Blade Runner. Um, so in the... It, apparently the writers decided to use the word replicant when referring to the fake O'Brien was because... Android is already used for data, and the word clone didn't really make sense in this instance. Um, but the writer did ultimately choose that word in kind of like in an homage to um, Blade Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. And it noted that they hadn't actually used the word replicant in... Which is funny because... They have a replicator, so it's, like, funny that the word replicant hadn't really been used in Star Trek. I wonder if there's, like, a database of, like, all the Star Trek scripts where they, like, have to look up, where they can easily look up. It probably is. Um, Like, has this word been used before in Star Trek? Or, like, did this story ever get made? In any case, the word replicant hadn't been used before, so they felt like it was, like, a safe... um, it was a safe word to to call it that would make sense. And I say I say that the word it now, but I really do have a lot of trouble calling o- replicant O'Brien an it after watching Blade Runner. Like that movie made me feel very okay, we'd never I would never call D- Data an it. Um yeah. So like I was calling um replicant O'Brien he the whole time. 
Yeah. It, it really raises this, like, really interesting question. Um, and the question being, do androids dream of electric sheep? <laughs> uh, I need to read that, actually. Um... To just to explain my own joke in case listeners <laughs> that's the name of the Philip K. Dick novel in which Blade Runner is based on or I guess uh, adapted from yes so, um, I no and it's just, it's just interesting like to like pick that word replicate because I mean ultimately I think clone would have worked fine right like well... ostensibly the like it could be a clone that they did did conditional programming to like Manchurian Candidate or like Zoolander or whatever the <laughs> the government's plan was. Like I don't know why they felt it didn't fit. Okay, I can see not choosing well, Android because of the data cl- stuff, but right. But wouldn't uh, and I um, honestly like don't know the specifics of what makes something a clone or not clone, but. I, I got the impression that Replicant O'Brien was, like, a mix of technology and, like, a fleshy person. The word fleshy oh, okay. being in my mind because of Mass Effect 2 and um, Grunt famously, I, I don't know if it's famous, this is my first time playing it, um, calling humans fleshy things. Um, anyway, so I feel like clone to me is, like, hundred percent human or a hundred percent you know whatever thing it's supposed to be and like replicant feels kind of in the mix yeah yeah um so it's it it's like a no okay so it's like like the replicants or like the hosts in westworld sort of situation i know you didn't watch that show much past the first couple episodes but idea of you know yeah i feel like that's no that's fair similar um, but then if you're, like, naming them after, like, the replicants and the whole, like, point of Blade Runner is it's, like, are these people, are they alive? Well, yes, they're alive, ultimately, like, they matter. Like, that whole, I think, right. speech at the end. And then the way they just, you know, it's like, oh, he actually thought he was. Anyway, so that's Yeah, it's so that's one of the mixed. things that I, that, like, there's a couple, that there's a couple things that sit with me, like, replicant o'brien did not know that he was a replicant so that kind of enforced my blade runner um feelings but like if the replicants didn't die how he did would they have just killed him anyway like that because of what he was programmed to supposedly do like he clearly had amongst the okay i don't know that it was clear but amongst the Federation people, Kira, and then these rebels, like, they didn't seem like they were going to give the replicant any sort of agency at all. So, like, yeah, they stunned him or whatever and he dies, but, like, if that's in, if it didn't, if he was like, okay, open the door, let me see what we are talking about, like, would they have killed, I feel like they would have killed him anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's there's no way to know, but that was just like my gut feeling. This wasn't my nominee for most Star Trek thing, but like <laughs> it could have been where it's like Star Trek has some kind of sci-fi tropey thing as part of its like plot reveal, but it doesn't really work through or isn't interested in the like ethics of 
what what it, what it's doing or what it's saying or kind of like the reveal right um but yet star trek will also have episodes like measure of a man or like author author which are very much about some of these you know the ethical quandaries of what it means to like you know be alive and like authorship or ownership of creative works and things like that so like it's just star trek being star trek i guess ultimately (laughs) yeah my last thought before we get into the episode is that I would love for someone to publish the Replicant O'Brien's personal logs like as an audiobook. I would a 10 out of 10 would read. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God, one more thing, excuse me, before one more thing before we we move on just talking about different kind of classic references or whatever um this episode kind of did really have a like invasion of the body snatchers sort of feel to it too like i think that's what you're set up for at first until the the twist reveal where it's like replicant miles is the like sane one he's our pov character and the rest of the crew is acting weird and has been replaced by pod people or whatever and then surprise turns out it's not all right. Well, let's let's get into the um, episode proper. And again, I guess just to get kind of the beats of the plot out that we've been dancing around before we kind of talk about Replicant O'Brien and then everyone else. Miles was away in the Paradin system. Um, he comes back. They're preparing for a peace conference. And everyone's acting strangely. And it's revealed that... Uh, why they're acting strangely so i guess because of the nature of the story in this episode and it being kind of that thriller and like the o'brien pov there really wasn't much room in the episode for that kind of classic trek format of like an a story a b story and as ds9 is done sometimes almost like a c story because in order to maintain the nature of the twist ending or the surprise Mm -hmm. they can't show anyone but fake o'brien right because if you see fake o'brien leave and cisco like looks at kira and they're like oh this guy don't know if we can trust him like then the episode's completely devoid of any sort of tension right so sure let's we can do it out of order let's talk with let's start with like julian and then we can talk about the keiko and molly stuff yeah or i think once i start talking about replicant o'brien i might come up with the Keiko and Molly stuff anyway in that section. Um, okay, so he, so he, (laughs) um, Replicant O'Brien, who we are, uh, assumed at the beginning is just O'Brien, comes back and Julian's like, hey dude, you need your physical. (laughs) And like, he's being really weird about it. Like, he's like, you need your physical. I even talked to the boss and he gave you this time off right now. Like, that, none of that would happen. Um, and the physical's taking, like, a really long time. He's just like, Julian looks like he's just going over the results, like, over and over again. And Miles is like, what the hell? Is there something wrong with me? And Julian's like, babe, you're fine, but then looks weird at his pad and you're like, is there something they're not telling Miles or did he find something or did he not find something and like doesn't understand it? Like, it's like, you don't really know what's going on in that moment. 
Yeah, I like, and I think one of the bits too that like held up for me is <clears throat> like kind of like even led up to this that whole like conversation where Ben is making small talk with O'Brien about why that other engineer has been you know working yeah. on the security while he's gone and, like mm-hmm. leaving things like out of the loop or whatever. Um, he mentions that like he was got caught talking to Keiko outside the school because he was talking about um, Jake's grades and then Jake not none the wiser of you know all the other information that the at least not yet that the officers are privy to is just like oh yeah help me with the school project and Miles gets catches Ben in, in the lie that Jake's grades are, are fine that's like a, a nice heightening and ratcheting up of the of the tension right it's funny because I thought that on the first watch and then on the second watch I believe that Jake says something to Miles like oh yeah my grades are fine I'm just trying to keep them up so it it almost made me wonder if they like made Jake invite my like invite himself to Miles for help to like keep that version of Miles like thinking that nothing was wrong so I got very skeptical watching it the second time where I'm like, is Jake in on all of this and just pretending to be normal so that Miles doesn't like get any ideas that something, you know what I mean? Like, so he had at least one person that seemed like they were on his side. Yeah, I I hear you, but I, I think that like, if that was the case, um, Kira wouldn't have interrupted them the way she did and have jake go look for his dad and like i i got the sense that like jake was filled in later of why like he shouldn't go hang out with this potential like spy or replicant or or whatever where it's like jake is just being jake like oh this is chief o'brien he's back and then after kira catches them on the promenade was like um, and sends Jake away, that they're like, well, shit, now we gotta, like, let Jake know, and that's why he wasn't allowed to go over to work on the project, right? That was, that was, I think, the intended reason. Right, I forgot I don't that think... there were two Jake visits before, like, your Jake scenes yeah. before that, I get it. I really did yeah. like the Kira interruption scene, um, it really solidified for me that something weird was going on. Like, until that moment, it could have been, like, coincidences, you know? Like, Molly was in a mood. Keiko's has a lot of grading to do. He has to fix the pylons. Like, all of those things alone, like, separately don't feel... Because that was another thing. Cisco yeah. fucked up the pylon so that Miles would be working on that instead of the, Busy like... work, sec- yeah. Yeah. yeah, instead of dealing with, like, the parada, like, peace talk, security, whatever. So, like, that, so until the moment where Kira interrupts, I think it was like, okay, all of this could be coincidence. But, yeah, he, she very deliberately does not want Replicant O'Brien asking questions or learning anything that happened while he was away from the station. Cork obviously does not seem to know anything that's going on. Because he only wants <laughs> no. to, like get back to that racquetball match from Rivals that never finished. (laughs) I also wanted to say, because, like, and I did 
this is kind of later in my notes, but like Odo come, Odo was somewhere, and then he comes back, and like Miles kind of has a conversation with him and does the. You can see it mentally, like above his head, like okay, I have Odo's on my side, you know, and then they have a yeah. meeting again, and Odo is like, well, actually, none of that really worked for me, um, mostly because like of course Odo was gonna change sides, like just that was the tone of the episode that everyone was kind of on the other side of miles so that didn't that switch from like odo being like oh yeah that's weird like to the he's probably in on whatever is going on it felt very expected to me so i wasn't really and that might just be because i've seen a lot of film like (laughs) i don't know um it just felt like really expected but yeah, everyone else's um performances I really enjoyed. Like I felt um I felt that the first, you know, as I said earlier, the first bit felt like it could have all been coincidences. And then obviously, we get to the point where O'Brien's um security clearances stop working. So like we definitely know at that point that something weird's going on. Yeah. So, you ready to talk about Replicant O'Brien? Let's do it. (laughs) I have to admit that it took me until the second watch to realize that the narration is actually before the final reveal. Because I'm like, why? how is he explaining all of this after? Because, like, he wouldn't have any of those memories. (laughs) Because it wasn't him. (laughs) Yeah, and this is one of the kind of... The nowhere, the nowhere, fuck. This is one of the more kind of like noirish kind of things for me with the, the style of narration. It's very much um, double indemnity, right? Where Walter Nackers yes, yes, yes. starts in media res. It's right near like at the start of the, the final act of the yeah, story. Yeah, he's like, he like hasn't gone. So he, doesn't, he doesn't know the whole story yet, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Um. So one of the things that I found was the scene where Keiko is trying to reject Miles' advances. This is, like, I mean, it happens kind of twice. So when he first comes home from the Parada system, he's, like, Molly won't hug him. And Keiko's, like, I'm getting ready to go do school stuff. And he's, like, it's 5.30 in the fucking morning. Like, what the F are you talking about? (laughs) So it's, like, clear that they don't want to be home with him. But then there's another scene, and, um... Molly's off at her friend's house, and so Miles kind of looks over at his wife, like, let's bang, because no one's home. And, like, using the wife doesn't want to bang as, like, a way of showing that Keiko is acting weird doesn't really sit right with me. Like, I'm not trying to make a huge thing of this, but it feels, like, some people, no. Let me rephrase that. I'm not trying to make a huge deal about this, but people are not always in the mood to have sex. And it's entirely possible that you just don't feel like doing it right now and your partner should respect that. So I I know that this, the writers, I don't think thought that deeply about this. And Keiko and Miles are usually pretty romantic with each other. So it, they, I believe that they normally do have sex when Molly is away. But it still felt like not the best example of showing us that something weird was going on because 
that implies that Keiko is expected to have sex with Miles whenever he wants to. And I know that is not the intention of this scene. Do not misunderstand me. But it still was what was going on in the back of my mind. Anytime you enter someone's personal space, like, and especially, like, even in, even in, especially in, like, some kind of, like, romantic situation or things like that, um, anytime you have sex, make out, kiss, whatever, um, enthusiastic consent needs to be given in every time. Like, just because you've kissed someone once or had sex with someone once doesn't mean that, like you say, you always get to have sex whenever you want to. And I think a lot of the O'Brien marriage stuff historically, like once you say once, not intentional at all, but once you kind of peel back the layers and the implications, it's, it's not great. Um, I did like the dinner scene after though. I think that was one of the most like tense and, you know, mm, What's the word I'm looking for? Suspicious, anxious. Yeah. Um, I liked that scene as well. Yeah, paranoia. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Most kind of like scene where you kind of feel Replicant O'Brien's paranoia. Yeah, he thinks he's about Keiko to be eating poisoned. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and the way that then it's shot is like there's a lot of um, close-ups in this episode. Yeah. Um, where it is and it does, it really ends up feeling... This episode feels claustrophobic, and I think the focus on close-ups and the reaction shots really kind of, like, helps with that, especially at the dinner scene, because it's like, you cut to their faces, you cut to O'Brien playing with his food, you cut back to their faces, you cut to Rosalind Chow just looking kind of like what Miles is reading as suspicious. You could, like, <laughs> almost see a beat of, like, do I eat this or don't I eat this? Is she trying to poison me? <laughs> Sweat on Cole Meany's face. It's like, that really worked for me from, like, a... a filmmaking cinematic paranoia tension perspective but the implication that anytime their child is out of their house it's time to get get down and implying that what leads to miles paranoia is that he's being turned down isn't great um the only other thing i can say and this is like with like the asterisks of like again the bar being on the ground along <laughs> really not as difficult lowest, to clear as you would bars. think it is. Um, <laughs> no one's getting under this limbo bar. After she says no, he doesn't like persist. Right. So No, yes. Yeah. He's obviously See, not I say happy to know yes, it, which also. isn't great. But Yeah. He's clearly disappointed. <laughs> um yeah, which, he's like, not like he's enough. he's not like a bad dude. The writers yeah. just it's were just the being implication. Weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There the wasn't just bias of the writers. Yeah, there wasn't like a mindfulness to like other ways it could have been interpreted. So I liked the entire sequence of O'Brien trying to like figure out what was wrong once his security clearance had been turned off. But I was thinking in another show it would have been like a fun montage. Of him, like, doing all these, like, engineering things. But I think that was just, like, me being silly. And I was very excited. This is really dumb. But I was excited. Remember when he was, like, fixing the, um... He's, like, fixing the... I don't know what he's in, but, like, his 
there's all the yellow wiring and like, i was laughing yeah for pylons yeah probably <laughs> but i was laughing that like the wires were yellow and his uniform is like yellowish and uh, i was so like blending i was like Ooh, i was like ooh, they match <laughs> but like it was real <laughs> stupid <laughs> stupid thought so kind of like towards the right right before the end of the episode everyone starts kind of ganging up on o'brien and he throws like a star trek version of like a flashbang on the floor <laughs> and then starts stunning uh... folks to get away and i'm like this isn't good like i hope he didn't kill anyone but i did enjoy that there was like a bit of action um, there was some, and it, we didn't mention this already, but, like, at this point, he, um, oh, no, that didn't happen yet. Never mind. Um, I did enjoy the bit of action, and then, like, he, that's when he runs into Jake again, and Jake's, like, found him, you know, and tells O'Brien to surrender. But by that point of the episode, I was like, just tell me already. I need to know what's going on. Like, I was so, like in it i don't know how else to explain it i was like tell me now or or else um i read a really interesting that i read a quote from colmini explaining how he was playing replicant o'brien in this episode and i thought it was a really good because i thought it was a really good portrayal so i wanted to share his methods with everyone um and this is from the star trek deep space nine companion he said In order not to give away what was going on to the audience, we tried to keep him exactly the same, even though it was a different O'Brien. I played it exactly the way I usually do. It was only the circumstances around him that were weird and gave you the feeling that something else was going on. I think he really stuck to that because even though he got like a little hysterical at times, it was always in reaction to what was going on around him. And like he really did feel like he was reacting to everything as o'brien would have if it was happening to actual o'brien totally agree good job colm is like the best i love i love him yeah he's probably like in the top tier of actors of the cast no, yeah probably is i sure. mean i'm not we don't need to go in and like ranking them or whatever, no i think but, you said uh, probably because there's no point in ranking them we don't need to rank them i agree yeah um so replicant o'brien pieces out and i was very excited that we got some um wormhole graphics in this episode the blues and purples were particularly pretty i feel i get really excited so what would you say I was going to say, so are you saying that um, the prophets of Bajor said ga- or said by rights? I didn't see much pink in there, so I'm not ready to Fair make enough. that statement yet. But I did, it did occur to me when I was watching. I did look for some pink, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of the ending of this episode? Uh, Miles or Replicant Miles comes to Parada 2, finds Cisco and Kira talking to these rebels that he thought the Parada were trying to have the peace talks with, and they're all like, chill, we're not your enemies, and they end up having to shoot him, and then we find out that it was a replicant. 
I think it's a good like WTF episode and a good like twist ending that doesn't hold up when you know the twist, right? Right. At the, like the risk of my repeating myself. Like I think overall the ending and the episode in general, it's really well done. And then the later decision to do kind of that noir thing with the you know starting the narrating and then getting it caught up um, was really smart because you kind of know where it's ending and you're wondering and like you're kind of with it all being focused on O'Brien, you know, you kind of feel like you're getting paranoid with him. Um, I, when I watched this episode this week, I watched it with my partner the second time this, this morning um, who hadn't seen it before. And like, they're familiar enough with, with Star Trek. They've been working through and, and watching TNG for the first time. And now they're on DS nine. Um, and they thought it was more of like a, like that body snatchers plot. Like right. again, like you were saying with how Colm was playing miles, um, as miles, a replicant miles as miles, they bought it. They tried, they thought that they knew what the plot was. And then the twist completely like subverted that and was surprised. Um, but yeah, I don't, my, the episode didn't work as well for me, having seen it, than it did with them who were watching it for the first time. Yeah, and that goes back to me not remembering it and ha- enjoying it so much because I didn't remember it. I think that was part of it. Totally. It's still, like, I mean, a fun episode, but it definitely doesn't hit. And, like, both of us, I speak for my, Matt and myself, are very much into, like, sometimes spoilers really do not ruin anything. I knew everything that happened in Avengers Endgame before I saw it, and I think that actually made me enjoy it more. So we are not spoiler-adverse on this, even though we are being spoiler-free for everyone listening on, you know, upcoming episodes. But, like, I agree, this specific episode feels... is more rewarding when you don't know what's going to happen. Or when you watch it with someone who doesn't know what's going to happen, and then it's like... (laughs) Watching Game of Thrones and being a smug book reader during like the Red Wedding, yeah, or something like that. I'm sad I didn't get a. I'm I'm joking, but I'm sad I didn't get like a video, like a Red Wedding type like reaction video of you watching this yesterday. <laughs> like, how dare you not consider that I would want to see that? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just gotta put my my phone. I gotta uh, FaceTime Elise. She has to watch us watch. She has to watch <laughs> us watch this. I mean, you could have just recorded it and not done it live. Like you could have sent it to me later. I would have been okay with that. I would have been upset if I found it on YouTube without you having sent it to me. That's the only way that you would have failed in this scenario, besides not recording it at all. So it's interesting to me how they like I want to I know we're never going to know this, but I want to know the like technology of how they made this replicant like real O'Brien says, oh, they had all these tubes connected to me, which sounds fucking matrixy as shit. Um, But I want to know, like, how did they get all of O'Brien's actual knowledge into the replicant? Like the replicant knew everything about the station knew everything about his relationships with people, you know? He, like, remember... He knew that he had told Julian about his mom having passed, like, because his dad had gotten remarried, um, which I thought was fun information for us. You know, I like to know about everyone's families. Um, but, yeah, it just was very... Um, 
I would watch, I would read, I wouldn't watch, like, a show about it, but I would read, like, a detailed article about how, um, the Paradins made the replicants, like, a technical journal or something, or, like, a medical journal. And then I'd have to Google what every other word meant, because I wouldn't know, because it would be, like, above my, like, intelligence level. I just, this is such, like, a this era of Star Trek thing to, like, introduce this, like, double twist thing and then it potentially having pretty major moral and ethical implications on the world that they just, like, eh, those don't exist. All right, see you next week, <laughs> right? Like, remember when they grew Ibodan's clone? Oh, yeah, I thought about mer- that. Like, yeah. Th- I, that was what I was thinking about when I, um, when I was like, would they have just killed this replicant if they, like, if he didn't die the way yeah. he did? That was exactly what I was thinking. Of. Or would he just be, yeah. like, in freaking Julian's lab somewhere, like, yeah. just hanging out? Well, like, <laughs> this is even worse. Like, because, like, again, I we did start doing, like, the Amanda Lone episode, but it's like, I, like, you know what I mean? Whether, like, the clone wasn't alive yet, so it's not right, super, yeah. like, I'm not super, like, hung up on that, which also has... <laughs> We're not well, getting into see, any, just, like, thorny. fetus it's discussions thorny, right? here, so, like, is when, what you're when saying. When does clone life begin? Is it at, is it at yeah. you know, conception yeah. of your cloning cells? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we do not need that. Like, this this is, like, a pro, this is a pro-choice um, podcast. That's all you need to know. Uh, exactly. I Just mean, I hope you don't clear. mind my saying that. No, not at, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Thank, thank you for, for clarifying. Um, but no, but like, rep, yeah, Replicant of Ryan, for all intents and purposes, is like a transporter clone. You right. Know, and could he then be like, save like, you know, in TNG, there are transporter clones. Or is it like a Tuvix situation? It's just uh, Star Trek. I'm Star just Trek. laughing like, Star well, Trek. just like next week we'll see Thomas O'Brien. <laughs> Sorry. Wasn't that the Riker clone's name, Thomas? Yeah, because his middle name was Thomas. So. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I have yeah. so many opinions on that. Um, Mostly the relationship with Deanna, but anyway. <clears throat> so... Do you have anything else to add about the episode at large before we get into our um, regular segments? I just wanted to say at large because I don't know that I've ever said that before. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I think I think I'm good, but I am going to open my water bottle here and take <laughs> a long drink of all tear water thirst quencher so elise who are you thirsting for this week on deep space deep space nine okay before i get into this i need everyone to know that i was watching (laughs) an episode of i don't remember if it was tos or tas this friday because i watched an episode of each where they were talking about the all tear system and I was disappointed because they went to Altair 5 and I googled and learned that Altair 6 is where the water comes from. So I was like, 
Oh, I remember now. It was the it was the TOS episode Amok Time because I felt like it was completely relevant because Altair Water Thirst Quencher and Upon Far episode, like it just felt really perfect. <laughs> so anyway, that was uh very exciting. But Okay. I will just say that I would be super interested is a maybe um second section of the audiobook of Replicant O'Brien's personal logs <laughs> would be a section with these apparent sexy letters O'Brien has written to Keiko. Because that may have been said by the replicant, but that was a true Miles O'Brien memory. So I think that those letters really exist, and I think that we need to read them. With both of their consent, of course. (laughs) They're fictional characters. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, And my nominee was more of like a, well, mostly friendly and like platonic thirst but when um julian and replicant miles are in the doing the the physical or whatever there's some there's some good banter back and forth there's like a certain playfulness and i like when julian bashir is playful but not gross right i very much like that too and replicant miles getting frustrated and annoyed that julian seems to have forgotten that his mother died was like (laughs) and his father remarried yeah like those are like replicant o'brien was like real upset about that he was like bro i thought we were friends like what the hell and i felt like i could picture you know someone getting really upset about that and the other person being like i'm sorry babe and then like them working it out yeah and it's it's like i know julian is like ostensibly like testing the memories of like the replicant like right any kind of flaws <laughs> that didn't occur but, to me like, by the way <laughs> but uh i also think julian's probably a bit of a brat so it's been kind of kind of so he might have been like lying on for on purpose is yeah. what you're saying yeah, or didn't know, or, like, you know what I mean? Like, trying to, like, catch a replicant O'Brien, like, in a trap, right? Right, right. Um, That's fair. What would you okay. say is your most Star Trek thing of the episode? Well, like I said, my nominee is the fact that, like, the episode isn't overly concerned with the politics of, like, the Parod and Civil War. Like, it's just reference and they're there and right it's just like the vehicle for this yeah snatcher really doesn't matter yeah it's it's like the points and whose land is it anyway they don't matter yeah um but i think ultimately it's like hey we've um have this other form of like synthetic life okay then it's (laughs) dead now so we never have to worry about any potential ethical issues with this again what about you elise what's your nominee I didn't really have one that stood out to me other than what you just said, so I'm just going to co-sign yours this week. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, Elise, until next time, where can folks find more of you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I, and you? 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well, at MattyHugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can also catch me talking about Mad Men on my Mad Men podcast, Still Great Bob. You can catch us together on Twitter and Instagram at PodRace, and you can also email us at PodRaths at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on the podcasting system of your choice. And again, thank you to DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye.